Awesome. I encourage you to grab a Bible and go to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. The passage of Scripture is probably in your little bulletin handout that you rolled in with, as well as on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably a red one in front of you. You can grab that, take that home with you as a gift from us. So Psalm chapter 1, the Psalms are basically right in the middle of the book. And so I just want to spend some time this morning unpacking this little chapter, one of my favorite chapters in the Psalms, and one that I've memorized and thought through and meditated on quite a bit. So looking forward to kind of marinating with you guys over the next few minutes in this. So let's stand together in honor of reading God's word. So hear the word of the Lord. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. So one of my desires, since I probably wrote in here uh, six years ago, is I'd like to start the year off at least one Sunday or a couple Sundays where we kind of... uh, talk a little bit about word and prayer. So Josh did a fantastic job kind of finishing out uh, our Advent series in Luke 2, kind of touching on this. And I wanna kind of circle back around it and use Psalm 1 as a way for us to look at this in a different aspect. And the reason why we kind of start the year off working through just this idea of word and prayer is because we do believe that the Christian life, we wanna mature, we, we wanna grow. And one of the primary means and ways that God does that is through word and prayer. And it's not the only way. It's not the only means. I think there's several ways God uses to kind of mature and grow us, but one of the primary ways is word and prayer. And I think Psalm 1 is a, is a beautiful psalm for us to kind of talk about this. And so what, you know, if I had to lay my cards on the table, like what I'm trying to do here this morning, because I think the psalmist is trying to do this, is I'm trying to get you to read the Bible, all right? And so don't tune me out yet. I'll give you some motivation of why you should read your Bible, because the psalmist gives us some motivation on why we should. And so I wanna unpack this psalm in this way. So I wanna talk about one word. I wanna talk about the two images and there's one difference. So one word, there's two pictures in this psalm and there's one difference. And so hopefully at the end of the deal, you'll be motivated to read your word because I think that's what the psalmist is wanting to do. It's his response that he wants to get out of us. So the word I wanna talk about is the very first word in the Psalms, so say it out loud. What's the first word in the Psalm? Blessed, yeah, and it's beautiful because it's actually plural in the original language. So it's blessednesses. That's not, you know, it's not even a real word, but hey, we're making up words here, amen? So it is, it's plural. It's not just one blessing, but it's multiple blessings. And it's a beautiful word to kind of start the Psalms off. It's a beautiful word to, to start off the new year. And also, if you read in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus starts his ministry, his public ministry, his first sermon, guess what the first word came out of his mouth was? You can say it out loud, say it. 
Blessed, yes, the very same word that shows up in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man is the very first word that comes out of Jesus' mouth when he preaches a sermon on the mount. Blessed, blessed is the one. This word blessed kind of carries the idea of joy. It carries the idea of fullness. It carries the idea of, of contentedness, a settledness in your soul. We're not talking about a you know, a blessedness that we see in like Disney movies and Hallmark stuff where all your dreams come true and, you know, you're happy all the time and you're just joyful and you smile. No, we're talking about, thank you for laughing just a little bit, a few little snickers in there. We're talking about a, a joy, a blessedness that is, that is so rooted and centered in your life that it's no longer dictated and determined by circumstances. You know, yeah, maybe I'm projecting a little bit here, but I would argue that's what everybody wants in this room, no matter if you're a Christian or not. You want a joy, a blessedness, a happiness that is so rooted in your life that no matter what circumstances show up in 2017, it's not gonna shake you. It's not gonna destroy you. It's not gonna shatter you. That's what we want. I mean, that, you know, it's probably one of the reasons why a lot of us make New Year's resolutions, isn't it? I mean, I'm not against New Year's resolutions, and if you made one, fantastic. But you, you make a New Year's resolution to do what? To better your life, right? So, you know, you wanna, you know I want to be healthier, so I'm going to eat better. And you get a little regimen of whatever you're going to eat, or you're going to exercise, or, you know, I want to grow in some kind of field of knowledge. So you kind of lay out the books you're going to read. Or, you know what, I want to I just want to veg out on Netflix for like a month. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how that could better your life. It might kind of better your life, depending on what you veg out on, right? So, so like, but New Year's resolutions has at their heart to better your life. I've never ran into someone who says, you know what? I'm going to try to make my life worse in 2017. So I'm going to drink six Cokes a day, right? For the entire year, because I want to worsen my life. I want to shoot myself up with insulin by the end of the year, Right? Nobody ever goes, hey, man, I'm going to eat a Big Mac a day because my goal is to worsen my life this year. I want 365 of those bad boys in my body to clean my system out, right? Nobody does that. You do a, a New Year's resolution because you want to better your life. And I find it intriguing and intentional here that Psalms begins with this word, blessed. And Jesus begins his sermon, the first one he ever preaches, with blessed. Why? Because it's a common desire across all humanity. We want this. And that's in essence what the psalm is trying to do here. When you read that first word, he wants you to stop and examine and basically say this, I want this life. I want a blessed life. I want a content life. I want a settled life. I want a full life. All of us want this. And that's exactly what the psalmist wants you to think. He wants to raise this up internally where you hear this word and go, yes, I'm in agreement here. So just in case that didn't get it, you know what I'm saying? Just in case, oh, you're kind of on the fence with this word blessed and whether you want that for your life or not, he gives us a picture. He gives us two images here. And basically what he's trying to do with these two images is, is which one do you want to be? I mean, look what he says here. It's right in the middle of the psalm, which obviously makes it a very important point here. And I love how he's trying to capture our imaginations here. Verse three, he, and I'll come back to talk about who he is in just a minute, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf 
does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Not so. And actually, in the original language, it's, it's double negative here. It's not, not so the wicked. They are what? They're like chaff that the wind blows away. So he gives us two images here, two pictures to kind of stir on our imaginations with the idea that we're gonna ask the question, which one do I wanna be? So the first one he gives us is a tree, right? Trees are awesome, amen? This is the tree of life. I shared this story a while back. I did a wedding here, beautiful place in uh, New Orleans and Louisiana. And, and I, those, I have no idea who those people are. I just wanted to like show you the size of this tree, right? So I had to get some people in there, all right? So, but it's a, it's a massive, beautiful tree. It's huge. So when you think about a tree, you think about something that's rooted, that's, that's weight, that's centered. You think of, of beauty, right? And I think the psalmist is trying to kind of get after this beauty of a tree when he describes it as, you know, which yields its fruit in season. And what he's trying to say there is that as, as you are rooted, we'll see in just a minute, in the word of God, you'll begin to kind of like bring about patience, the fruit of patience in times of suffering, the fruit of faith in times of trial, the fruit of kindness in the midst of harshness and, and hatred, the fruit of self-control and temptation, thankfulness and prosperity. That's, that's what it means, but you, you'll bear your fruit in its season. It comes out at the proper time. It's a beautiful, beautiful life. He goes on and talks about whose leaf does not wither. And what the writer's trying to get across here is not that it doesn't go through the rhythms of the seasons, right? It doesn't mean that this tree just stays green all throughout the year, but that when drought comes, this tree is not crippled. He goes on and also talks about the beauty of this tree when he says, whatever he does prospers, which basically means this, is that the, that the fruit that this tree produces brings about benefit to other people, that our maturity, our growth, our being this tree is not just for us, but its fruit is a gift within relationships. It's a beautiful person who produces beautiful fruit that benefits others. That's the tree. That's the image here. And once again, the psalmist is saying, who do you want to become? A tree or chaff, All right? Some of us may not know what chaff is. Chaff is kind of like that, um, that outer skin of a seed. And so I'm, I've been roasting my own coffee uh, Mike Thigpen, who was one of our pastors here in California now, gave me his kind of like little coffee roaster. It's like a little, um, kind of like it looks like a little bitty oven. You know what I'm saying? Like those little ovens you take to college to make biscuits or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a, I don't know why I can't think of that name of that oven. Toaster, thank you. Yeah, but it's not toaster, toaster oven. There we go. Thank you very much. My wife's in here. That's why I needed her in the nine. Like if she was in the nine, I would have nailed that. So here's the deal. In case you guys like didn't know this, but coffee you have to roast it to go from green to what you drink, right? You don't, this would be awful. Like it's like drinking grass. It's awful. So, so this is what coffee looks like. It's unroasted. It's a green little bean. You stick it in this little oven and it does a little turning. And eventually it comes out nice and brown and smells wonderful. But as it heats up, the center kind of goes through this little cracking phase where it goes pow, it's like popcorn. And then when it does that, it releases all this chaff. You can see that there. And it's, I mean, it's, Nothing, it's very paper thin. I had to hold my breath to take a picture of this because if, even if I breathed, it would just kind of be blown away, right? So it's, it's useless. It's of no value. And the psalmist, this is what he's wanting you to, and let's look, there's not a middle road here. 
There's not a third option. Like we want to kind of read the psalm and say, okay, that's nice, but I'm kind of a hybrid, right? It's, you know, I'm kind of a tree chaff. What? No, there, there's no hybrid. There's no like new deal here. It's, this is your two pictures, a tree or a chaff. I mean, I, like I don't, you know, say I can tell the future or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that, but I know this. In 2017, I can guarantee this. There will be something that'll happen to you that's absolutely unexpected. You'll get the phone call. You know, you'll, you'll show up at the doctor and you'll hear something like, wow, that's, that's not what I planned for in 2017. Like, like life happens to us. Jesus says it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Basically, it rains on all people. Like there's no exemption just because you're a Christ follower. Pain comes, suffering comes, loss comes. And here's what the psalmist knows about you. In those moments, you wanna be a tree. You don't wanna be a chaff that gets blown all over the place because pain comes in your life. And so the psalmist is basically going like, like, I know you want to be a tree. This is who you want. No one in their right mind is going, oh, I, I want to pursue after being some kind of flighty seed skin that just flies through all the air. Or, you know, another example of that would be like a jellyfish. Do you want to be a jellyfish or a dolphin? Right? Which one? Jellyfish is just, you know, they're just nasty. Them, no, no use, man. I'm sure they have some kind of use in the oceanic, whatever, but they're annoying. But the dolphin's like, dude, I want to swim out there and touch that bad boy, right? They're like, man, that's amazing. Same thing here. Who do you want to be? Like, you want the blessed life. You want a full life. You want a contented life. You want happiness. You want to be a tree. Like, that's... That's what the psalmist is basically wanting you to see here. He's wanting to awaken these desires saying, yeah, if I had a choice, that's what I want. And then he comes in and says, okay, this is how you get there. This is how it happens. If I want a blessed life, if the image that I want to work toward is a tree that's rooted settled, strong, that has beautiful beauty about it. If I, if I want that, then what's the difference? How? How do I get there? Well, Psalmist gives us the difference and he gives us the answer to the question there in verses one through two. Listen to what he says. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates, he meditates day and night. So what's the difference? There's only one. The difference between a tree and a chaff, the difference between a blessed life and an unblessed life is what you do with the words of God. That's it. What you do with the words of God. This is, this is how it's always been, guys. It's always been the difference. You go back to Adam and Eve, in Genesis chapter three, when they're representing all of humanity. What was the difference in that moment? What they did with the word of God. 
God said, don't, no, don't eat this tree. I'm the only one that has the right to know what good and evil is. Don't eat this tree, this is for your good. Stay away from that. But in that moment, representing all of humanity, they chose not to listen to the voice of God, but to listen to a different voice. And we are all suffering the consequences of that. Everything that we hate of this world, everything that is ugly of this world, everything that you hate of yourself is a direct result when Adam and Eve is representing all of humanity and they chose to ignore the words of God. The difference has always been, what do you do with the words of God? Jesus shows up on the scene and does the same thing, right? Makes sense. It's interesting. You can go home and read this. In the Sermon on the Mount, it's almost like an extended version of Psalm 1. Because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, he starts with blessed. And then guess what he does at the very end of the sermon? He talks about two builders. And at the heart of that is saying basically this, what are you going to do with the word of God? This is what I've spoken. I am God in the flesh. These are the words of Jesus. What are you going to do with them? I love what he says here in verses 24 through 25, 27. Look what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because why? It had its foundation on the rock. It was a tree. Getting the parallel, the connections here. It goes on in verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like what? A foolish man who built his house on sand, chaff. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. What's the difference? What they did with the word of God. He goes on and it says this again in Matthew chapter 13, where he's talking about the, the parable of the, of the farmer who throws these, the seed out, which is to be representative of the word of God. And, and the difference of these four different kind of throwing of seeds has to do with what that person does with the word of God. Look what he says here at the end when he's kind of explaining this in verse 23 of chapter 13. But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. That word understand means union, putting together. So this man has taken the words of Jesus and uniting it with the, with the regular rhythm of his own life. That's what he's doing with the word. And that's what the psalmist is after here. You want to bless life? You want to be a tree? Then what are you doing with the word of God? Starts off with this contrast here in verse one, where he talks about the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. It's kind of showing these three different aspects or three different degrees of departure from God. And the main point that he's trying to get across here is that the blessed life is the one who does not listen to the counsel or the words of those who have directed Jesus. So the blessed life is those who do not listen to the voice the counsel, the words of those who have rejected Jesus. And that includes our own internal voice, right? So this idea of following your own heart, like it doesn't work. Like it just doesn't. Go talk to someone that's about 10, 15 years ahead of you and say, hey, tell me the times when you followed your own heart. I bet you nine out of 10 times, it was a disaster. Because you're following a voice that can't be trusted. But instead, what does this blessed 
man do? Look what he says there in verse four, verse two. But his delight is in the law. And the law there, yes, obviously when this was first written by the psalmist, he's talking about the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But we have the joy of the complete work of God. So when it's talking about the law, it's talking about all of scripture. So his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. So the blessed man, the blessed person, the blessed one is one who does what? First of all, delights in the law of the Lord. So it's not just about obedience. It is that, but it's not just about obedience. It's also about loving what he commands. Now, why? Why is it so important for you to delight in the word of God? Because you are driven by your loves. You're not driven by your reason and your knowledge. I mean, how many times have you sat back after making a, a stupid decision or doing something, you're going like, I, and you say this, I knew better, right? Like, why in the world did I do that? I know better. Well, the reason why you did that is because you're not driven by your knowledge and your reason. You're driven by your love. You did that because you loved it. That's why you did it. And the reason why it's important to delight is because we do what we love. And that's why it's essential that unless you receive the word of God, Jesus, you will never delight in the words of God. Are you following me? Because the gospel comes in and changes your inside, your heart, your desires, your wants. It's a beautiful nature of the gospel. It doesn't go outside, it goes inside out. And the only way that you will ever delight in the words of God is when you first receive the word of God. And that is Jesus. But not only does he delight in it, but he also meditates on it. Meditates on it. This idea of, and Josh did a good job kind of unpacking this for us last week, but this idea of, I know it sounds like a weird word, but it is that, that word murmuring, right? That's what it is. Like just, you're, you're, you're making an intentional effort to process and think through what it is that you're reading. You're thinking about its implications so that it kind of reaches all parts of your life. You're you're, you're, you're thinking, you're reflecting, you're, you're, you're hearing the words. I mean, it's all kind of brought up in this word meditate. And it's interesting that the word law here, and I'm gonna get a little technical, so don't fall asleep on me. Give me like one minute here to get technical because it's important for us to understand why meditate is so important in this passage. The word law here is translated like literally Torah. And it comes from a verb that means like you throw something to hit its mark. So like, you know, uh, a baseball, you know what I'm saying? Like you got a catcher's mitt and you're trying to throw the baseball to hit its mark or a javelin. You got a target and you're trying to throw that javelin to hit its mark. That's the verb that this word law, this noun law comes from. So, so think about it from this perspective. Let's say that you, um, let's say you have a conversation with, with maybe your spouse or a really close friend. You trust them, uh, you, like you, 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 you know, respect them. And so they speak some words that are really hard to hear. They speak some truthful words that are wounding, but they're necessary. And after that conversation, you walk away a different person. You walk away saying, I gotta work on that. And so what happened in that moment? Those words that your friend gave you or your spouse spoke to you were like a javelin that went into your own heart and soul and they were piercing and penetrating, but those words brought about change in you. That's the idea behind this word law, that the words of God are like a javelin 
that go into your soul and they pierce, they penetrate, they open you up with its aim to bring about change. That's why meditate is so important. Because it's, it's kind of a whole different approach to looking and reading the word of God. It's like we don't approach the word of God to kind of master the content. As if, as if God throws in some kind of like email once a month and said, okay, here's your quiz. All right, you, you've been reading through Genesis, so I'm sending you my quiz. All right, question number one. All right, no, that's not what we're after, right? Because we all know this. Having right ideas, having right thinking, having, look, look, be careful, don't take me too far here. Having right doctrine is not enough. There has to be more. Like all of us in this room probably know somebody that has right theology, but their life is a train wreck. And so our approach to reading the word is not this like trying to master the content of it. There's more that this word meditate is after. It's not also, you know, where we, and this is not wrong, so don't take me too far here. It's not where we, we go to the word to kind of get a devotional thought. You know, what's the message that I can tweet out today or, you know, put on Facebook and encourage somebody else. All right, there's, they're not bad, but that's not what's going on in this passage here. It's not also where we're looking to the Bible to find solutions. So, you know, I'm dealing with depression or I'm dealing with anxiety or worry. And so I'm gonna find all the passages in the Bible to get a solution to my problem. That's not this approach. It's more of when you go and have a good meal. That's the picture. And when you eat at McDonald's, if you're an adult in here, you just wolf it down, right? It's like, I'm hungry. You're not savoring that cheeseburger. Oh, my. And McDonald's, oh, who knows where this beef came from, but it's good, right? You're just like, man, we got to get somewhere, throwing food all over the place, and you woof it, right? It's like, I'm not savoring McDonald's. I mean, your eight-year-old does or a 10-year-old, but hopefully their palate matures and they begin to see like, oh, there's a little bit of a difference here, you know? It's like going to your favorite restaurant and you just, you slow down. When you go to a good restaurant, you're there for like two hours, aren't you? Like you're slowing, you're eating that meat, whatever you love, and you're, like it, you're just taking time. You want to savor it. And I think at the heart of what this word is or what the psalmist is trying to get us to is he's wanting us to slow down. Listen, listen. This is, this is God talking to you. Like visualize him sitting in your living room or kitchen right beside you and talking to you. Listen, reflect, slow down. That's what it's after here. And look, guys, look, you want this. That's what the psalmist, you want this. You want a blessed life. Here's the difference. You want a life that's 
that, that's rude and centered. Like, this is, this is a difference. I mean, just, like, dream with me a little bit. Imagine, imagine how you would be different if you just said, all right, this year, I'm going to take one psalm and read it the entire week. <laughs> that's it. My goal isn't to read the Bible whole year. No, just slow down for crying out loud. You don't get like some kind of blue ribbon when you get to heaven because you read the Bible 300 times in your, you know, your lifetime. I mean, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just going, goodness gracious, we're just such Americans. I've got to have this goal and set it out there and go after it. I'm going, I'm like, slow down. Man, you just read Psalm 1, what, for the whole year? And you got that in you. Like, I'm, like it will change you. I mean, think about how that would benefit your life, benefit your family's life, benefit your workplace, your neighbor. Look, your spiritual maturity is not just for you, right? Your spiritual maturity is so you can be a blessing to other people. If you're not being a blessing to other people, then you're not growing spiritually. You're still immature. Are you following me? The goal of your maturity is not for you to have a big head and tell everybody how awesome and how much you know. No, no. The goal of your spiritual maturity is to humble you so that you could be a blessing to everyone that comes into contact with you. Look, look, something is shaping you. That's what the psalmist is saying. There is something that is shaping your desires, your loves, your wants. There's a voice that you're listening to. And the psalmist is going, look, I'm giving you kind of the future version. If you listen and guide your life by any other voice than God, you're gonna turn out like a chaff. And your life will not be blessed. It'll be miserable. But if you guide your life by the voice of your creator who sent his son, Jesus, to die in your place, then it's gonna change the trajectory of where you're going and you'll be a whole different person. Psalmist is saying, read the Bible. Slow down. Read the Bible. Well, I, you know, I don't even, I'm not even sure if I believe everything in the Bible. That's okay. It really is. It's not like God has this little 10 questions that you have to pass before you can read this book. It's not like, well, sorry. We got to get you to question four. You got to get there with me before you can know. No, like you read all kinds of things you don't believe in, right? If you read the paper, I'll help you. If you read the paper, the answer is yes, right? Jump in, jump in. Some of you are like, well, you know, it's, it's boring. Well, all right, yeah, it is. There's some parts of the Bible, it's just boring. And some, I don't mean that in like some kind of irrespectful way and hopefully it frees some of you up in this room where you don't feel so much guilt, right? Leviticus is a rough book, amen? It, it is rough. Like I, we preached through the whole book of Exodus about a year ago and I'm telling you the second half of that book is rough. I tried to show some excitement about it when I rolled in here, but I'm telling you, man, it was, whoa, thank God we got through that, right? Man, look, I, like there's, there's a part where, okay, yeah, there, there are portions of scripture that can be tough to get through and a little boring. And, and if that's the case, then man, 
jump into an Old Testament narrative. Get into First and Second Samuel. If you love blood and gore, go to Joshua, Judges. Read some of that stuff. Where they're shooting up, not shooting up, well, kind of thing, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, get it. Or, or read one of the Gospels where we learn about Jesus and how he walked. This is God in the flesh on the earth, man. That's a beautiful narrative. And if that doesn't do it for you, then jump into Revelation. I mean, I'll jack you up a little bit, right? I'd be careful doing internet search and get some jacked up inter- interpretations of that. Next thing you know, you're building some kind of hole in your ground and living there for like the rest of your life and got all kinds of water stored up. Oh, it's coming, right? Now, being kind of goofy now, but I think you know what I'm trying to say, but it is an exciting book. Like, I don't know what's all going on in that book, but it's stinking exciting. Like, wow. That's, this is the number one best-selling book of all time. And the psalmist is going, look, I don't want you to miss the benefit of this book because it's boring. Pray as you read. So God, ignite my spirit, ignite my heart, help my soul. Some of you here say, I just don't like to read. Hallelujah, we're in 2017. Guess what? There are apps that'll read it to you. Woo, right? And they got like actors that read it. Isn't it a little monotone? Then you got people like Darth Vader reading the God voice or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, it's exciting. Like, yeah, music in the background. Maybe you're here and you go, well, I just don't understand. It's a big book, 66 books. And you say it's one theme and I'm having trouble finding that theme. Well, there's an organization called the Bible Project. Some of you probably know who this is. They're out West and they've done a really good work to kind of help you become more biblical literate to where you kind of dive into a, a book and you don't get lost in the forest. And so like, they're like these little six minute videos that are done really well. It kind of gives you a big picture of what's going on when I'm reading the Bible. Because I'm just, I'm trying to encourage you. <laughs> like the psalmist is. You want a blessed life. You want a life that ends up being like a tree, not a chaff. There's one difference. It's what you do with the words of God. Something is shaping you. What is it? And why are you trusting that? Like, why are you trusting that voice? What's it doing for you? How's, it, how's that working out? Yeah, I realize it's hard work. I realize it's difficult to stay in this, work in this. And some of us get all discouraged and get kind of weird with it when we, oh, you know, I had a commitment to read my Bible every day and it's day two and I've already missed, right? And then we give up. It's like, reading your Bible is like exercising. It's a thousand restarts, amen? That's what it is. It's like God's not up there going, oh, okay. No, just start reading again. Like you you missed a month. Okay, so what? All right, sorry, God, help me out. Start reading. It's just like exercising. You know, you don't, you don't give up on exercising forever. Oh, I can't, I can't stay consistent. I'm done. Never exercising again. I'm just going to lay down and just die. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I, my heart and the heart of this psalm is that you and I, it's okay. What words are shaping and forming me? And the only words that'll shape and form you for your benefit are the words of God. Step in. Let's pray.